Main Street to Wall Street. Global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. I've always said that a brand is nothing but a promise delivered. Our guest today is part of a brand that's been in existence for over 100 years, and they've certainly delivered on those promises. Throughout the decades, their focus has been directed towards supporting small businesses by partnering with them to create a more efficient customer service approach. Taryn Raymond is the Chief Marketing Officer at FTD, and she brings extensive experience in global marketing, customer analytics, and e-commerce. Welcome, Taryn. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to chat. It is. It's, it is exciting. So you've now been the CMO of a brand that has stood the test of time for 110 years plus. To what do you attribute that longevity? And I'm going to assume that you've not been there that, that as long as 110. I'm just going to take and make that the bet. No, no, I've been there a little over two years. Um, so yeah, it's been really exciting. I mean, we were the first in the space to do what we do. Um, so a little background in the business. So what we do is you come to either FTD or proflowers.com, you place a floral order that gets routed over to the local florist. They built, they fulfill the arrangement and then hand deliver it to the recipient. Um, and we do more than just send these local florist orders. We do marketing on behalf of them. We power their POS systems, their um, websites. I mean, you name it, we're kind of providing anything that they need for their business to be successful. Are they franchises or licenses or just associated with you? No, they're just really associated with us. They're kind of a part of our membership. Um, so it's it's similar to a franchise model, but not necessarily the same. Now, when I say 110 years, I was looking through some of the history of the company, and I know some of your competitors, and you guys have been around a lot longer than them, but you you were like telegraphing orders from way back when, right? I mean, talk to me about some of the history, because when you think 110 years and this is FTD. And, you know, I walk into my local shop and I pick out that bouquet or maybe I'm calling in it or looking on the website. Right. So tell me back 110 years ago, how did you do it? That's exactly right. It was via telegraph. <laughs> um, so they were sent via telegraph. It actually started with a very small group of florists who thought, you know, we should figure out a way to be able to share these gifts further than just our direct area that we're able to service. Um, so they did it via telegraph, they sent it and just it continued to grow from there. And now, as you mentioned, I mean, we have a significant coverage throughout the US and then also internationally. And um, it's in, I mean, we just continue to power these small businesses in such a wonderful way that they wanna be a part of our network um, to be able to, to help them succeed too. I gotta tell you, years ago, my daughter did some phone work for one of your competitors where she was on the customer service during the peak season. And I can remember one guy calling in and ordering flowers for six different women on <laughs> Valentine's Day all over the country. So I know you guys, I know you reach further than that and hopefully you're doing it for some really good people. But back in September, let me tell you, you took a very creative approach to rebranding. You focused on more meaningful giving. What was the honest of that rebranding? So prior to our rebrand, if you took a look at ftd.com or proflowers.com, they 
looked very similar. They were almost essentially copy paste of one another. Um, and we really weren't taking, we weren't speaking to this heritage and to this empowering small business that we just kind of discussed on the FTV side at all, um, which is really where it all began. So we wanted to make sure to bring that heritage to life and have that execute in all of our marketing um, and really give our members the, the light and like the attention that they need. I mean, they're doing such incredible work. Um, so we want, so we wanted to bring that forth. And then we also wanted to differentiate the brands. So on the pro flowers side, we're a bit younger, brighter, um, we call it the fun side of flowers. Uh, and then FTD, like we've been talking about is more about, um, you know, this meaningful giving and really tapping into your local flora network in, in order to do that. I'm kind of curious about what are your metrics for being successful with the branding? Yeah, so we've been doing a lot of surveying to try to understand like consumer reaction, um, a lot of brand. Um, so what is our new our brand traffic when it comes to search uh, terms and then also direct to site um, SEO, trying to track how that has um, grown since the rebrand. Um, another thing that we've really been measuring because with the rebrand came a lot of new products as well, um, and really trying to, again, differentiate the product sets between the two brands and then just kind of getting fresh new items for, for within the assortment in general. Um, so we do a lot of on-site tracking to be able to understand how those are performing versus, you know, what we would traditionally send. So, um, we're digging into data a lot, uh, to kind of understand how this rebrand is, is coming to life. And, and so far it's been really successful, which is great. I love it that a flower business is getting into data. That's pretty cool. So when you said you joined two years ago, did you join before March of 2020, before the pandemic or right after it started? April of 2020. So I started remote in the middle of COVID, which is definitely an interesting time to start. Did you even get a chance to meet some of the team? Not for at least a year, which was wild. I mean, I, I had worked with some people previously and, you know, obviously all met virtually, but actually meeting my team in person didn't happen until at least a year later. Um, so, you know, I, I always say that was one of the actual, that's one of the hardest parts of starting that my, this new role was kind of getting everyone to, to shift into this new mindset of working digitally. Um, and, and just being able to trust this new face on the screen, you know, that's kind of coming in and changing the world a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of nuts when you have to do that. I, I, now I'm traveling around the country very often, a lot more often than I used to actually. And now I'm running into people I hadn't met ever until I just met them over line and now I'm meeting face to face. So it's really, it's really cool. Yeah. So, so we know that the pandemic blew up every notion that we had about running effective marketing campaigns. I mean, it just changed everything. In fact, if you remember back then, a lot of companies were running some old stuff and they were getting crap about it because the, you know, they would still show people walking into restaurants in their restaurant. They don't do that anymore. So the old ways have to be out, so to speak, but is there something from the old tactics that remain and can be used in this new system? What, what did you keep from the way you were doing it before into this new way of doing it? So I'd say, so we did make a lot of changes when it comes to messaging and to your point, what we were showing during the pandemic. Um, as far as things that we kept, we're very occasion heavy, you know, we're gifting. So we want to make sure to speak to those top occasions appropriately, which we just continued to do during the pandemic. Um, and then I think what's interesting is I feel like a lot of old tactics are now new again, almost. So uh, linear and, and connected TV had a boom during the pandemic, um, just, you know, for obvious reasons that we were all watching a lot more TV than yeah. we probably were previously. Um, so we've continued to invest there and do then find that to be successful channels for us. 
we also saw that um, there were just different shifts in like social media trends. So for example, TikTok. So we kind of shifted along with that and tested in there as well. Um, and then I'd say anything like old that's new data, like being very, very data heavy. So with the cookies uh, going away and being able to target and, and track people in a, in a cookie world, um, collecting as much data as you can about your consumers has become even more so important. So I feel like that was very much an older tactic that now is just research, like becoming even more important. C-Suite Radio. So you, you, I'm just curious, are you using any kind of, um, uh, influencers in your marketing campaign? We are, um, we, we do work with some influencers. Um, yeah. And we do a bunch, you know, within either Instagram or Facebook, but, um, a lot of influencer tactics. Are they using, are they making content? Is that what they're doing is primarily providing content? content yeah. Content? They're making content for the most part. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I loved what you had to say about linear digital TV, because obviously we own C-suite TV and C-suite radio, and here we are doing it right now. You know, consumer behavior has been real interesting to predict. You've had extensive experience in the customer analytics. You brought data up a couple of different times. What's been the most surprising things uh, that you've had regarding customer behavior from that data? I feel like in every role, there's always these like little nuggets that I find really interesting with the consumer base. Um, in this current role, I think I've found what's been really interesting is it's we, you just assume that a con consumer is always looking for the cheapest item, and that's not necessarily the case. Um, if you have something that you've built based off of data and knowing what consumers really enjoy, we actually find that they'll kind of opt into a more expensive version of that item that we've sort of catered to that audience that we've been targeting it with. Um, so I, 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 find, I always just find that really interesting because we just assume that they need a promotion or a sale to be able to, to kind of get engaged, but that's not necessarily the case as long as you're looking at the data appropriately and targeting them. So what do you think the next big thing will be to predict about how to serve your customers better? Oh, I mean, I, I think, I think it's really, again, like capturing as much data as possible to really understand what it is that they're doing. Um, mm -hmm. Without being able to rely on cookies and, and AI, AI can, can certainly be helpful, but I think being able to understand activity on site and what's attracting a consumer, where the most activity and conversion is happening. Um, I think that's going to be the best way to really be able to cater to them. Do you, you think the analytics is helping you create more engagement and keep up with the demands of your customers? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we have a wonderful analytics team and we're, we're very data driven uh, at this company and, and we want to be able to, to go into a meeting and say like, we know this is going to work because of X, Y, and Z. Um, we also very much have a test and learn mentality. So there's no bad idea. Let's throw it out there. Let's see if we can put it into play um, and test it against what we're doing uh, currently because you just, you don't learn unless you're doing something like that. So um, between those two things, yeah, I think, I think it's absolutely important. So back when I was the CMO of Kodak, when we were selling inkjet printers and getting in that market, we, we called the he heavy users. We had heavy users, you know, that were the, the real people that used a lot of ink, five times more ink than anybody else. Do you have those kind of heavy customers in your business? And what do you call them? We do. Um, so we actually, we have a loyalty program. So we kind of bucket them within that. Um, that's where we see the most activity. Um, but we do have different customer cohorts that we'll, we'll use within our targeting. So um, we have our heavy users, we have our sort of 
not as engaged users, sort of that middle ground and then lapsed. Um, and we kind of use those three cohorts within our marketing in different ways to, to try to re-engage. Well, this, this question just came in from one of our fans and one of our members in the C-Suite Network, Tom Schmidt down of Oklahoma. He asked, how is the quality of the forest measured to keep quality consistent from forest to forest across the US and probably even Canada, I would assume. And you, I know you're operating in a lot of other countries. So is there any criteria used to determine if a florist qualifies to be a part of the FTD family? So we do, yes. Um, so we do monitor their, um, their how successful they are in, in re replicating the different arrangements that we're sending to them. Um, so we do that in a variety of ways, um, both within um, NPS as well as within just understanding like consumer feedback. Uh, we also, what we do and to try to mitigate any issues too, is we provide them with a ton of information on how to actually build um, the different arrangements and then any um, substitutions that they may need. So for example, if they're out of roses, what can you put in instead? Um, so we try to mitigate anything in advance, um, which we've found to be really successful and they, they, incline, they totally follow it as well. I used to uh, do a lot of TV shows where I interviewed some businesses. One of those was uh, Dunkin' Donuts when I was on Bloomberg. And they used to get up in the morning and kind of watch things and they could predict what the customers were going to do based on weather. So I have to ask you about supply chain because with the current supply chain issues, are they affecting the business at all? It is. Yes, I think we're, we're kind of being affected. I think all businesses are affected in some way right now. Um, what what happened, I mean, during COVID, they stopped planting flowers for a brief period of time because of everything that was happening. Um, so there, you know, that, of course, kind of created this little bit of a ripple effect in demand or in supply when it comes to the different flowers that that were unhalted. Um, and then there's also a glass shortage. <laughs> um, so that affects anything from like a vase um, perspective too on our side. So there are things that we've been able to figure out solves for and, and we're definitely like working towards ways to, to make sure that it's, it's mitigated. But, um, but yes, those are two things that have come up because of the, the pandemic. I mean, who would have thought stop planting flowers and we don't have enough glass. So yep. <laughs> I guess just, you just got to give it to them in papers and repurpose one of those glass vases, <laughs> I guess, or vases. Which, which is it, vase or vase? I say vase, but I, I, I think we could go either way. <laughs> if you say vase, you could charge more for it. I think. I, yeah, I it know. sounds fancy. <laughs> so you have extensive experience. Cause I always love to look at uh, the CMO's background and the background of all of our C-suite executives that come on the show. We've had so many of them and the pedigree is always interesting, but I look at your experience in e-commerce and optimizing digital channels. Why do you think, uh, what do you think is the biggest mistakes businesses are making with their digital channels? I would say only looking at last click conversion. Um, I Say think that again, only looking at what? Last click conversions. There you go. <laughs> so only looking at that last click metric, there's so much more that goes into marketing and the different effects on different channels when you're playing, especially if you're playing in the upper funnel and what that means to drive lower funnel performance. Um, I think it's, it's not, it's, it's just not effective when you're just looking at those who click through an ad and purchase right away. There's so much more that happens from a click or even a view of an ad to then someone converting. Um, and especially it differs by brand too, and different types of industries, what, how long that, that intention window is. So, um, I think that's probably, yeah, I'd say I go with that. It's probably the biggest mistake. <laughs> well, and can, 
consideration, I think, is a big part of it. Even yeah. getting into, you know, a lot of digital markers only look, and we get that with advertisers on C-suite radio and C-suite TV. They want to know what the CAC is, you know, cost of acquisition and what's the click rate and being able to see that they can convert. We're all about, but you got to have, you know, discovery. You got to have reach. You got to have consideration. So do you divide the budget up into different areas for brand development, you know, for discovery, for reach, and then conversion? Exactly. Yep. We have different buckets that we play with. And not to say that there's there aren't goals associated to them. There, there absolutely is. And there's just different, there's different goals per area of the funnel that we're focused on um, because the goal is different. Um, so we just want to make sure that we're we're doing that. The KPIs are set appropriately. Um, and we do a lot of like different holdout groups and things of that nature to understand lift and kind of be able to set those KPIs within the different funnels too. Um, so we've found that to be a successful way to do that. C-Suite Radio. What do, which mediums are you finding to be the most successful right now? Um, you know, I think the, the traditional channels are still big ones that we're spending money on. So when it comes to like social and, and Google and paid search, um, but I think some of the new ones that have been surprising for us. Um, so TikTok has been a surprising one for us, honestly. Um, and then we're actually seeing a lot of success in like what I mentioned earlier in the TVs, in the TV world, um, both linear and connected um, and radio. So I, I, I think radio has always been one that we've found to be um, a tougher one to crack, but we were finding it to be more successful now as we continue to test into it. How about podcasts? Are you doing anything with podcasts at all? We haven't done a ton. Um, it's definitely something that I, I think I want to tackle next. So, yeah. I, I find it funny you say traditional and then you go right to digital. You didn't mention anything about print or, you know, old TV or any of that stuff, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go beyond that. I get yeah. where you're <laughs> so which is great. So talk to me a little bit more about the content marketing, because, you know, I keep telling everybody right now, if you're a company, you need to be a media company. You need to start really creating a lot of content. You know, social was so uh, 2000s and now it's really about, you know, engaging people with great content. How are you putting content campaigns together? Yeah, so um, we're doing a lot of content when it comes to what you said with social. Um, we also have blogs that we do a lot of content within um, and they get a ton of traction, which is great. Um, and then we're really just trying to, we're working with different partners as well um, to really push out our message, um, developing content with them. Um, the influencer piece is also very much a content pull too. So um, we're, we're trying all these different areas. So some of it's copy-based, some of it's image-based, but um, we're, we're really trying to get as much as we can out of those different partnerships and, and it kind of boils down to content. We'll have to help you start a, like a flower TV channel or a podcast, you know, talking about how it makes people feel. I can imagine, you know, when I was at Eastman Kodak, I always talked about emotional brand. It was an emotional brand, that Kodak moment. You know, my predecessor actually had let the uh, trademark for that Kodak moment expire. And I brought it back saying, look, you have to have that emotional connection. How do you show that emotional connection with your product? Uh, we do that a lot within our marketing. Um, so we really try to capture that moment of both like the giving and the receiving of the item. I think that's really important. Um, and to your point about being emotional, I mean, our, our brand is being gifted at some of the saddest times, but then also some of the happiest times. So we have to try to sort of find that balance and showing those different emotions to our consumers for them to think of us in those moments. Um, but yeah, I, I think we find that to be incredibly important in everything that we're doing. 
No, you you're not really a franchise, but you got memberships. You got this big partnership, I guess the best way to be able to say it. And you've got all these folks coming together. How do you get feedback from those owners of all those 30,000 plus locations? How do you get that feedback and use that in your campaigns? Yeah, so we actually we meet with them monthly. <laughs> um, oh, wow. We meet with new members monthly, and then we're meeting with um, some other members actually on a quarterly basis. So we're actually chatting with them. We have one-on-one -on -one conversations with them to um, to really understand how it is that they're they're feeling about what it is that we're providing them, as well as like what they're seeing in the space when it comes to marketing. So we work very very closely with our members to make sure that we're doing that. When you say members, are they really your customers, right? I mean, there are customers in a sense, but we we really try to treat them as business partners too. I mean, they're they're out there. They they're seeing the trends. They're working directly with customers who are going into their stores as opposed to ordering online. So, they they help us too, just as much as we're helping them. So I mentioned that every company should be running themselves if they were a media company. You think that's one way to win in this digital race? We all seem to be in right now. And then, what strategies should organizations use to gain ground? Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, I love media, so I, I, I'm a little biased, but yes, I, I do think it kind of should be run as a media company. Um, you know, I think it's in one for one reason, because it's just moving so quickly. I mean, everything just keeps changing. So we have to keep, get ahead of it. Um, so if you're kind of hyper focused on that and hyper focused on like understanding what's going on, um, you know, you're that you almost become this media company. Um, so I, I do I do agree with that statement. That's cool. When when your CEO comes in and you run into the, him, her, I don't know if it's him or her, but uh, run into that person in the hall. Uh, what what's the first question they normally ask you? Oh, I mean that usually, and it's a him. Um, so he will usually uh, ask how we're doing when it comes to optimization. Like where are we where are we putting more money? What channels are we seeing succeed? Um, and we're on that on a daily basis. I mean, my team is incredible at like keeping their finger on the pulse and understanding, all right, we're really succeeding over here. We should be throwing more budget here. Um, so it's just making sure that, you know, we're in it live. That's interesting because maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago, probably that CEO would be asking, when's the next campaign? What's the next ad? What's that look like? Rather than saying, hey, tell me about the conversions on the channel. It's a big difference. It, yeah, I mean, and we are very data driven. So, and and as is he, obviously. So, yeah, we're, we're very much, we just live in those numbers. So, so what's next for FTD? You know, we want to be that destination you come to for gifting in any sense. Um, we want to be that brand that you think of when, again, those sad and those happy moments in your life where you need to be there for someone. Um, we want to be that person that you think of to go to. Um, so, you know, we're hyper focused on that, both from a product perspective, um, within our marketing, from customer service. Um, we're, we're looking to really expand our reach when it comes to the different items that we're offering. So, um, you know, we're, we're just continuing to grow and do well there and, and, and really, really excited for the future and, and, you know, being top of mind when it comes to gifting in a meaningful way. Okay. I got one last question for you. What's, what's keeping you awake at night? What's, what's the biggest concern that you have and what are you talking to your team about? Um, you know, I think it's, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I feel like it's this cookie-less world that is just keeps hanging over our head and, and putting fear into everyone. And I, I, it keeps me up, but I also am really excited about it because I think 
kind of like what we chatted about earlier, it kind of gives us a chance to revamp what we're doing and thinking about it in a different way. Um, Sort of when like digital marketing became really important to a brand, like this is another area for us to say, okay, let's test new things and let's see what works. Um, So I'm really trying to empower my team to think that way and not necessarily be afraid of it. Yeah, because it's okay as a marketer to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. There's no yep. doubt about it. Trust me, when I was the CMO of Eastman Kodak, I made some whopping big mistakes that were, quite frankly, millions of bucks. So you can do that from time to time. It's how you respond and, and get back. You know, I think with FTD, I know I said last question, but I'm just going to keep going because I'm very interested in this, that I think that it's it's interesting that you have the ability to help change the mood. Mm-hmm. And that's very unique for a brand, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And we, we take that to heart, honestly. And we, we think about that within the message we're sharing within the partners that we're choosing to work with. Um, we want to make sure to be there for those important moments. And yeah, it, we're, it's definitely very important to us. Well, awesome. Taryn, thanks so much for joining and being a part of all business right yeah. here on C-Suite Radio, C-Suite TV. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. At the end of every show, I like to talk about lessons learned. And today was all about data. You know, you heard her talk about it a few times during the show. And of course, she talked about the softer side of the brand as well, the branding itself and the need for that to put things into the top of the funnel. But really, truly, it's all about the data. And we're going to become more data driven as business leaders and certainly as marketers as we look for that customer experience and where those behaviors are so that we can capture them to be successful. There's a pony in there somewhere. And that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio and C-Suite TV. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.